0: Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 288 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. We're going to pick up, actually, with a segment that we had to sort of cut short in an episode not too long ago. I was talking about free agent centers who I think the Rangers should target in this off season, specifically guys who can win faceoffs because as we all know, that's really been a problem for the Rangers. I realize the timing of this is a little bit off right now because the Rangers actually had a fantastic night in the the face-off circle against the New York Islanders. But be that as it may, for the most part, as we all know, it's an area where the Rangers have really struggled this season, really struggled last season as well. And really, they don't have a center on the team who you expect to be at 50% or better when the season is over. So for all those reasons, we're taking a look at upcoming free agent centers. If they bring other attributes to the table, that's fantastic. But what we're specifically doing is looking at guys who can win faceoffs, Guys you can put out there in a big spot and hope that they can win a critical draw. Something else we're going to do is just taking inventory on the Ranger rebuild. Obviously, we know that about three years ago, almost three years to the day, I believe it was three years ago uh, this past Monday, the letter goes out that the Rangers are basically going to rebuild and they're going to tear everything down and they're going to trade all these players that we know and love and it's going to be a new era of Ranger hockey. That was three years ago. There have been some hits and some misses over this rebuild process. I would say more hits than misses, but we're going to basically just look at that and uh, see where everything stands as it pertains to this Ranger rebuild. It's going to be just a very broad overview of this roster as it's currently constructed and where everything is headed. And then also, we're going to take a quick look at the Rangers-Bruins matchup for tonight. The Rangers have already announced that Alex Georgiev is going to be in net. But like I said, let's start with this uh, this exercise of upcoming free agent centers, specifically guys who can win a faceoff. Like I said, if there's other things that they can do to help the Rangers, that's fantastic, but we're looking for guys who are very proficient on the dot. And in our last episode, we mentioned three players before I had to cut it short because uh, the Rangers had a game that night, and I had to set the episode live before the game started. But the three centers that we mentioned in the last episode were David Krejci, Travis Zajac, and Eric Holland. Now, Krejci and Zajac, might be hard to pry them away from the Bruins and Devils, respectively, but we're having some fun here. We're tossing out some names that we think could be a fit if the Rangers could get their hands on them. We're also not really looking at how much it would cost to sign a player. I mean, we'll take contracts into consideration a little bit, but for the most part, we're having fun here. We're tossing out some names that we think would be good fits with the Rangers, guys who can step in and win some face for this team and, and hopefully contribute in other ways as well. Uh, Krejci and Zajac, like I said, going to be tough to pry them away from either the Bruins or the Devils, and they might be a little expensive as well. Eric Hollis, somebody who would be uh, seemingly a little bit more affordable for the Rangers, but somebody else that I wanted to throw out there today who is definitely affordable for the New York Rangers is Luke Glendening from the Detroit Red Wings. This guy is an absolute beast on the face-off circle. So far this season, he has won 66% of his draws. Now, it's a somewhat small sample size. He's only taken 179 face-offs so far this season, but Hey, man, 66% is 66%, and it's very impressive. For his career, and this is important to note as well, he has won 54.5% of his face-offs. In his last six seasons, he has never won less than 54% of his face-offs in any single campaign, and that also includes last season when he won a staggering 56.1% of his face-offs. One of the absolute best in the face-off circle, in the league, and someone who, if you're the Rangers or really anyone, you could have this guy for fairly cheap. He's making just $1.8 million this season. Uh, He's not somebody who's going to give you a whole lot offensively. He has only 111... career points in 513 games, so he's definitely somebody who would be a bottom six, probably a fourth-line type, but also someone you can put out there when you really, really need to win a faceoff, especially in the defensive zone. I mean, maybe if it's late in the game and you're trailing by a goal, you wouldn't necessarily want somebody like Luke Glendening on the ice just to win a faceoff, because then after they win the faceoff... You know, he's still got to be out there, although maybe you do it anyway, and you just hope for the best once the faceoff is won, that he can somehow contribute to a game-tying goal late in the game. But where he really would help the Rangers is in a spot where you're trying to protect a late lead. You know, 45 seconds left, a minute left, draw in the Rangers zone, you need a faceoff win, stick Luke Glendening out there and let him do what he does. And again, somebody who would be fairly inexpensive to add. A big physical player as well. 147 hits in 60 games last season and 198 hits the season before that in 78 games. This season, 14 hits in 13 games. He's somebody you could put out there late in periods as well. If there's 20 or 25 seconds coming and you've got to face off in the attacking zone, you've got to face off in your own zone, you really want to be able to win that draw. And that'd be a perfect time to put somebody like Luke Glendening on the ice. Somebody who can either, uh, Give you one last scoring chance at the end of a period before the clock runs out or somebody that can prevent one last scoring opportunity for the opposition by winning a faceoff in the defensive zone before the period is over. I forget who the Rangers were playing. It wasn't that long ago. It might have actually been the Penguins, but the game went into overtime. Yeah, I think it was the Penguins and the Penguins put somebody out there to start the overtime period just to win the faceoff. And this player did indeed win the faceoff and he immediately made a beeline for the bench. He won the draw, skated right to the bench got off the ice, didn't go back out there for the rest of the overtime period. He was out there just to win the faceoff. Maybe Luke Glendening can be that type of player for the Rangers, somebody who I think they should definitely be targeting in free agency, especially when you consider it would not cost that much to add him. Just wanted to take a minute to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Bilt Bar. It is the best-tasting protein and energy bar that I have ever had. It's kind of hard to explain. You just have to experience it for yourself. It's got real chocolate, amazing flavors, Dot com. Once again, use promo code LOCKEDON and get $10 off your first box at www.biltbar.com. We're covering everything you need to know about the Rangers, but what about the rest of sports? Now, the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It is hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right, back to these impending free agent centers and specifically the ones that can win a faceoff. And one guy that I really, really like is Philip Deneau of the Montreal Canadiens. He's at 53.2% for this season, as well as 53.2% for his career on the face-off circle. He has six straight seasons of winning between 52 and 56% of his draws, so the consistency is definitely there. And this is somebody who can do more than just win face-offs, and that might make him a little bit more expensive than the Rangers are comfortable with, but he's someone whose offensive game has come along a bit over these last few seasons. Uh, last year, he had 47 points in 71 games. The season before that, he had 53 points in 81 games. Those are the two highest totals of his career. Through 12 games with Montreal this season, he's still actually searching for his first goal. He does have five assists, but I do think this is someone the Rangers should at least keep tabs on. He's currently making just $3.08 million per season. He's only 27 years old, so he's quite a bit younger than some of the other UFAs that I've covered on this list here and just UFAs in general, but Somebody who I think the Rangers should at least be interested in. They're thin at center in general. They really need to bring in somebody who's good at draws. If you're a Ranger fan and you're all in on this rebuild and you want the team to stay young, then you might be into Philip DeNoe as well, rather than bringing in somebody in his early to mid-30s just because they're good at winning face-offs. And with Deneau, it might be tough. I get the feeling he could have a lot of suitors this offseason. It's hard to know for sure, especially in this climate, but given the fact that he's only 27 years old and a player who seems to be getting better and better every season, Yeah, I mean, I think there will definitely be some suitors there, and he may well end up being out of the Ranger price range, but definitely somebody they should at least check in on. I think he's definitely somebody that could play a middle six role for this team and be an overall fit for the New York Rangers going forward. I'll throw out one more name, and this one's a little bit out there, but what would you guys think about Casey Sizikas? Now, I realize he's on the Islanders. He just scored the game-winning goal in a really tight game between the Rangers and Islanders, but I do think... He could be something of a fit, and again, he's only 29 years old, so it's not like you're picking up an ancient player here, some 37- or 38-year-old who can only win faceoffs and do nothing else. Uh, Sezikis is a solid player. He's part of what is probably the best fourth line in hockey. We saw that on full display the other night against the Rangers. Sezikis is currently making just $3.35 million, and I'm not sure if he would get a little bit of a pay increase next season, or maybe it would decrease a little bit given the current climate. It's hard to tell. I think... $3.35 million might be a little bit more than the Rangers are currently comfortable spending on a fourth-line center, but... Price aside, let's just look at how he could be a fit for this team. Uh, Somebody who brings a physical presence, 128-plus hits in all of the last seven seasons. Obviously, that does not include this season because we're just underway here. For his career on the face-offs, 50.6% success rate. So not spectacular, but definitely a step up from what the Rangers are currently getting. Uh, Sezikis is currently at 59% this season, although, uh, again, a small sample size, just 122 face-offs so far for Sezikis this season. But last year... Zekas a 53% success rate on the dot which tied for his career best so it's a little bit out there but it's somebody that I think the Rangers could at least look at as they look to get somebody on this team who can win a faceoff and just as a way to sort of fill out the bottom six uh, with a physical player like Casey Zekas so I gave you three names uh, this goes along with the three names that I produced in a recent episode which were of course David Krejci, Trevor Zajac, and Eric Halla. Today, as far as the three names that I just threw out there, if you want to go cheap and just get somebody who can really dominate the face circle, maybe you look at Luke Glendenning if you're the Rangers. If you want to spend a little bit more on a younger player with a, a bit of upside, maybe Philip Deneau is worth a look for the Rangers. And if you want the reliable, steady, physical veteran, then maybe you take a look at Casey Sazekas. Again, these are just some options. Only time is going to tell if the Rangers are actually interested in these guys or not, but I think one way or another, you got to get a center on this team next season that can win 50 plus percent of his face-offs. So I just threw out a couple names. If you guys have any ideas, feel free to send them my way. Maybe I'll even talk about it on a future episode, but again, this shouldn't be something that continues to be a problem year after year after year after year for the Rangers. I realize The free agent market was a little thin this season. There weren't that many great centers available. You certainly don't want to reach for somebody and overpay them just to get somebody on your team for the sake of getting somebody on your team. I get all that. But to find somebody who's good on the faceoff circle, you shouldn't have to necessarily break the bank to do that. And hopefully the Rangers can address this issue next year. Bring in at least one guy who you feel good about, is going to come in and win more than half of his face-offs. Because the Rangers right now, there's nobody on the team that fits that description. And it's nothing against the centers that they currently have, because Zibanejad, we know he's off to a slow start, but he produced like a superstar last year. Ryan Strom has his role as well. Him and Panarin just seem to click together. And Philip Hedl was off to a really nice start this season before he got injured. So they have some good centers, but you got to bring in somebody who can uh, step it up in the face-off circle for this team. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline offers real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it is free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Once again, BetOnline.ag. Every Wednesday on Locked On NHL, take a deep dive into the Western Conference with Sarah Evampato of Locked On Kings and Tom Gazzola of Locked On Oilers. Whether it's a look at top end contenders like Vegas and Colorado or breaking down the rebuilds of the Kings and Blackhawks, Locked On NHL has you covered on the Western Conference Wednesdays. Subscribe to Locked On NHL wherever you get your podcasts. We are exactly three years and two days removed from the letter, the rebuild letter that went out to us Ranger fans. Basically, Glenn Sather and Jeff Gorton sent out a letter to the fans explaining that, okay, listen, we're going to rebuild. We're going to trade all these players that you know and love. We are entering a new era of Ranger hockey. And given that this happened almost three years ago to the day and the fact that we're 11 games into the new season, to me, it just feels like an appropriate time to take sort of a broad overview of where the Rangers stand as it pertains to this rebuild. Let's look at some of the moves that have worked some of the moves that have not worked at least not yet and just try to figure out how close the rangers are to once again, hopefully joining the upper echelon of NHL teams. And I think with any rebuild discussion as it pertains to the Rangers, you got to start with the trade that brought Mika Zibanejad from the Ottawa Senators to the New York Rangers in exchange for Derek Broussard. And I realize this is before the letter went out. This is before the Rangers were in full-fledged tear-down rebuild mode. But to me, this is the first move that the Rangers made where they clearly had an eye on the future rather than the present. And They didn't break up the core of their team going into that season. Mika Zibanejad joined all the the familiar suspects from that era. You know, Matt Zuccarello, Chris Kreider, he's obviously still here. Uh, Rick Nash was still on the team. Ryan McDonough, Dan Gerardi, all the usual suspects, all the players that you guys know and love. Uh, JT Miller was still on that team. But this was the first move where it was like, okay, let's take a player that is five years older than the player we want to acquire and let's move on from him, despite the fact that Derek Broussard at that time I, and I stress at that time, was still a better player than Mika Zibanejad. The Rangers were looking at the future. They wanted somebody who had more upside than Derek Broussard. They felt like Derek Brassard had kind of plateaued as a player. You guys know he's one of my all-time favorite Rangers, Derek Broussard, and it was really tough to say goodbye to him. But at the same time, I understood this move. The Rangers are looking at long-term upside, which Clearly, Mika Zibanejad possessed more of than Derek Brassard, and it's worked out great. Mika's off to a tough start this season, but he's gotten better and better and better every season with the New York Rangers, at least up until the early portions of this year. We'll see if he ends up being here for the long haul. He's a free agent after next season, that could get very, very interesting. But. You got to say the Rangers won that trade and this was obviously a heck of a move to kind of start the rebuild even before like I said they were in full-fledged rebuild mode. Then you get the signing for Artemi Panarin, the other superstar on the Rangers. And look, this may not look like a rebuild move at first glance because he was the top free agent available. In that offseason, it was either him or Sergei Bobrovsky, but the Rangers weren't going to bring in Bobrovsky. They were going to go after Panarin. But the reason why this is kind of still part of the rebuild, even though it's a big free agent signing, and it's the kind of signing that I think a lot of teams would make if they think that they're just one big time superstar player away from contending to a Stanley Cup. That was not the case with the Rangers, but they needed sort of a centerpiece, somebody to build this entire team around. And Artemi Panarin, as you guys have seen, has not disappointed. In his first two seasons with the Rangers, or season change rather, last season and then 11 games this season, uh, he's been absolutely fantastic. He makes players around him better. He should have won the MVP last season. I don't think we need to spend too much time on Artemi Panarin to know that this was obviously a heck of a move. He was pricey, that's to say the least, but well worth every penny, uh, at least thus far, into his Ranger tenure here. One of the best players in hockey and somebody that you can definitely build your team around. Then you look at somebody like Adam Fox. He was taken by the Calgary Flames in 2016, traded to the Hurricanes, then traded to the Rangers in exchange for a second-round pick in 2019 and a second-round pick in 2020. Now, you might hear that and say that a rebuilding team like the Rangers maybe shouldn't be playing so fast and loose with their draft picks. But this gamble clearly paid off. The Hurricanes ended up trading the Rangers' 2019 second-round pick to the Senators, and they used their 2020 second-round pick that they acquired from the Rangers to select Noel Gundler. Gundler's still just 19 years old. We'll wait and see what happens with him. But Adam Fox, one of the best young defensemen in hockey, a fantastic move by the Rangers, bring him in as part of this rebuild. To me, there aren't too many defensemen in hockey. I would rather want on my team uh, a team that's going through a rebuild than Adam Fox when you consider how good he already is and his youth. Speaking of defensemen, we also have to talk about Ryan Lindgren and K. Andre Miller. Now, this one's complicated, so stay with me here for a second. I'm basically just going to read the summation of this trade word for word for you guys here because it's a lot to digest. Okay, so in 2018, the Boston Bruins' first-round pick went to the Ottawa Senators as the result of a trade on June 22, 2018 that sent Pittsburgh's first-round pick in 2018 to the New York Rangers in exchange for New Jersey's second-round pick in 2018 and... This pick, the pick that they use to take Ke'Andre Miller. You got all that? Good, because there's more. The Rangers previously acquired this pick as the result of a trade on February 25th, 2018 that sent Rick Nash to Boston in exchange for Ryan Spooner, Matt Bolesky, Ryan Lindgren, a seventh round pick in 2019, and this first round pick here in 2018. All of this is a very long and very complicated way of explaining that the Rangers ended up using a draft pick that they received in the trade that sent Rick Nash to the Boston Bruins. They used that first round draft pick to select Ke'Andre Miller. So that has obviously worked out. And also as part of that trade that sent Nash to Boston, the Rangers received Ryan Lingren. And now, just a couple of seasons later, just three years later after this trade went down, Ryan Lingren and Ke'Andre Miller, clearly two of the Rangers' best four defensemen. You can rank them all in any order you want, but I think we know right now uh, Miller, Lindgren, Fox, Truba, those are the Rangers' top four defensemen. So the Rangers definitely kicked the Bruins' butts in this trade. What happened with Rick Nash is definitely unfortunate. He had to retire before it was really his time due to lingering concussion issues, and that's Very scary stuff, and it's really unfortunate that Nash had to hang up his skates earlier than he otherwise would have had to. But facts are facts. Rick Nash only played 11 regular season games for the Bruins, scored three goals, picked up three assists. He also played in 12 playoff games that year, scored another three goals, dished out another two assists. But fair play to say that the Rangers clearly won this trade because as a result of moving Rick Nash to the Boston Bruins... They get Ryan Lindgren immediately in return. He's been a very solid defenseman for the Rangers, and they end up getting a draft pick that they use to take Ke'Andre Miller. And it really looks like the sky is the limit for Miller. He's been fantastic through 11 games so far this season. But it really is crazy. I mean, this draft pick, if I'm, if I'm reading this correctly and understanding this correctly, this draft pick that the Rangers ended up using to take Ke'Andre Miller, it went from the Penguins to the Senators to the Bruins to the Rangers. We definitely know that the last part of that is true. It went from the Bruins to the Rangers, and the Rangers end up using it to take Ke'Andre Miller, so that's absolutely fantastic. So far, so good for Ke'Andre Miller, and like I said, looks like the sky is the limit. Rangers definitely won this trade, and Ryan Lingren and Ke'Andre Miller, two enormous building blocks for this Ranger rebuild. And then we come to Capo Caco and Alexi Lafreniere. I'm going to kind of lump the two of them in together because basically here, the Rangers just got lucky, and I realized that by not being one of the better teams in the league over these past couple of years, they at least became in the mix to land a top draft pick. Obviously, Capo Caco, they come in second place in that draft lottery, and they end up taking him number two overall last year. And then this year, miraculously, uh, the first of all, the pick, the first overall pick goes to a team that gets eliminated in the qualifying round. Even after that, though, the Rangers still had only a 1-8 chance, and they get it, and they get their guy, Alexi Lafreniere. Now look, both of them, not off to the flashiest of starts with the New York Rangers, Capo Caco in his second season, Alexi Lafreniere in his first season. Kako has just two goals and one assist so far this year. Alexei Lafreniere has just the one goal, of the overtime winner against Buffalo. I do think both players have played better than those numbers would indicate. Uh, you would, however, as a Ranger fan, especially with this team surprisingly struggling to score goals this season, you'd like to get more out of both those guys, but you got to believe overall that uh, brighter days are ahead. They are part of the rebuild, and I realize the Rangers kind of got lucky. They kind of just lucked their way into getting the second overall pick last year, the first overall pick this year, but it's all part of what the Rangers are building, and even though neither player is off to, again, the flashiest of starts with the Rangers, you got to believe that uh, better days are ahead for both of them and that they will end up being key contributors to this this rebuild. They're going to have to be because if the Rangers don't eventually get more out of Capo, Caco, and Alexi Lafreniere, then they could be in some trouble. By no means do I think that it's time to panic. A lot of players that are superstars now struggled when they first entered the NHL as teenagers. And that's kind of what we're seeing a little bit of here. Again, I think they're... Overall play this year has been better than their stats would suggest, but you got to remember, both guys are just 19 years old, and you do have to believe that eventually these guys are going to get it going, hopefully this season, probably no later than next season at the latest. One seemingly not so great move that the Rangers made throughout this rebuild is the trade that sent Ryan McDonough and JT Miller to Tampa Bay in exchange for Liber Hayek, Brett Howden, Vladislav Nemestikov, a first-round pick in 2018, and a conditional second-round pick in 2019. I was randomly thinking about this trade the other day and how this was supposed to be a really big move in the rebuild. You know, you're moving two established, well-liked Ranger players in exchange for guys who are in their teens. I mean, you get a wing, you get a center, you get a defenseman. Nemesnikov and Howden were each selected in the first round. Liber Hayek was selected in the second round, and here we go. You know, rebuild kicked into the next gear, except that it really has not worked out so far. I mean, with Vladislav Nemesnikov, the less said the better. He is long gone. The Rangers traded him two games into last season, just never produced on the Rangers the way he produced on Tampa. They probably should have been able to see that coming, considering he was often out there with Stamkos and Kucherov. But be that as it may, it never worked out with Nemestikov. Look, I'm not going to... Con- Completely Give up on Brett Howden and or Liber Hayek so far this season. I actually think Liber Hayek has played pretty well. He did have that one really big miscue the other night against the Islanders. But beyond that, I think he's looked good in two games so far this season. But man, Ryan McDonough continues to be a very good defenseman in this league. And JT Miller, ever since the Lightning traded him to the Vancouver Canucks before the start of last season, he's really taken off. I mean, he looks like a star. He's off to a great start this season as well. But the thought that occurred to me when I was thinking about this trade the other day is that I might... Even now, even three years after this trade went down, three years to the month, it happened in February of 2018, I might be willing to give all three of these Ranger players back in exchange for either... McDonough or JT Miller. Forget about both of them. I will trade all three of these guys for either McDonough or JT Miller. How much fun would it be for Ryan McDonough to still be on the Rangers and kind of be the veteran in the room? And by the way, McDonough, only 31 years old. He's not as old as you might think because he was on the Rangers for a long time and he's been off the Rangers for a couple of years now, too. And JT Miller really coming into his own in Vancouver as a star there. So. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. Maybe you guys might hear that and say, hey, you know, you got to be patient with this rebuild. Stay the course. Guys like Howden and Hayek could still turn out to be good players. I get all that, but it just hasn't happened so far, and Ryan McDonough and JT Miller continue to be very effective players in this league, and Miller has only gotten better. Now, I realize the cost of Ryan McDonough might prohibit the Rangers from ever, you know, bringing him back. I mean, not that this is going to happen. There's not going to be a trade in reality where the Rangers send all three of the players that they acquired in this deal to Tampa Bay in exchange for Ryan McDonough. That clearly is not going to happen, but Ryan McDonough signed a seven year, $47.25 million deal with the Tampa Bay Lightning, and that's probably too rich for the Rangers. I don't see how they could fit him in under the cap, but if you take costs off the table, yeah, I think I would trade, I mean, we can't trade Vladislav Nemestikov because he's gone, but in a completely hypothetical, never going to happen scenario, yeah, I would happily trade back Nemestikov, Hayek, and Howden for either Ryan McDonough or JT Miller. And again, maybe I'm being too rash there. Maybe eventually guys like Hayek and Howden, they run into form for the Rangers. They end up becoming very, very good players, but it hasn't happened yet. And I got to say, even when this trade happened, I was really left scratching my head because yeah, the Rangers got prospects. And I think we knew that Ryan McDonough was going to be traded, but JT Miller, that kind of came out of nowhere when he was thrown into the deal as well. And uh, I just think either one of those players could really, really help the Rangers right now. Again, Book still out on Howden. Book still out on Hayek. We'll keep our fingers crossed that they eventually run into form and play like first and second round draft picks, respectively. So like I said, this was just kind of a broad overview of the Ranger rebuild in the off season. I think this is something we would save for the offseason because there's so much going on right now. The schedule is really packed tight this season. The Rangers basically play every other night for the most part. Um, But for an off-season kind of recurring segment, I think something we're going to do is look at every single player on the New York Ranger roster and just kind of track how they became New York Rangers. We look at every path that these guys took Getting to the NHL, getting to the Rangers, we can start with their college careers or even earlier, but it'll be a lot of fun. We'll do a deep dive on every single player and how they came to play for the Blue Shirts, whether it's Artemi Panarin or Jack Johnson. Pick either end of the spectrum or anybody in between. As far as tonight's game, we got Rangers-Bruins. The Bruins are hot. They've started the season 8-1-2. This is going to be a great test for the Rangers. They're obviously coming off of a very disappointing loss to the New York Islanders, and they're certainly going to be tested over these next couple of games on Wednesday and Friday. A couple of home games against the Boston Bruins, who... Again, looking like probably the best team in the Eastern Conference or the Eastern Division or however you want to break it up. One of the elite teams in hockey, I think, talks of their demise were greatly exaggerated in the offseason. And unfortunately, yeah, the Bruins storming out of the starting blocks 8-1-2. and two. So uh, a great test for the Rangers tonight. As we mentioned in the intro, Alex Georgiev is the confirmed starter for tonight's game. It's funny because I kind of floated the idea of maybe starting him against the Islanders because that's a team that Georgiev has owned over the years. At the same time, I can't fault the Rangers for going with Igor Shosturkin like they did because Shosturkin has been hot. But it's interesting now that they're going back to Alex Georgiev. This will be his first start since his altercation with Tony D'Angelo. And man, you talk about just jumping right back into the deep end to go up against this Boston Bruins team that looks like a Stanley Cup contender uh, after not playing in quite some time. I do wonder if maybe it would have been a better idea to go with Georgiev against the Islanders, a team that he owns, kind of a low scoring team. Instead, they go with Igor there, and now they go with Georgiev here. So he's going to be, he's got a, a very tall task in front of him tonight to try to keep this Bruins team in check. We'll see how it goes. I definitely think he has it in him. Going to be very interesting to see how Alex Georgiev does tonight. Today is also Alex Georgiev's 25th birthday. So a very happy birthday to Georgie, and hopefully he gets to celebrate it with a win tonight against a very tough team. But that's going to do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.